Welcome to the Kelly and the Encouragers podcast with your host, Kelly Sisson, wife, mother, therapist, and hippie at heart who loves Earl Grey iced tea, deep conversations, and encouraging others. If you need a little encouragement today, you are in the right place. Thank you for joining us. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Kelly and the Encouragers podcast. I am so happy to have Alexa Schumacher here today to talk to you about Montessori. I don't know if you are like me, but I really didn't know a lot about it, the concept of it, and how you would really incorporate that in your own life, or how you might look for a school that incorporates it. It was an absolutely fantastic learning opportunity, and I loved being able to meet with Alexa about this topic. She's extremely knowledgeable and very passionate about being able to teach parents about ways to really help their children learn in a way that allows them to have some freedom in deciding what interests them in that moment. It's a pretty cool concept, so you have to check it out and see if it might be something that would work for you. Now to the show. Hi, Alexa. Welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. Yes, absolutely. Thank you for taking some time today. Is the weather pretty bad there or is it... It is. School is closing early. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I've been looking out my office window or the window by my office, I should say, probably about every half an hour. I'm like, is it still okay? (laughs) Is it still okay? (laughs) So. it's going to get bad. Yeah. North Dakota is a little hard in the winter, isn't it? Mm -hmm. We survive. We survive. But yeah, I'm wondering if you can introduce yourself to the listeners. Yes, my name is Alexa Schumacher. Um, I am a teacher in Grand Forks, North Dakota, and I am actually a Montessori trained teacher. So um, it's kind of a different style of teaching. I actually am getting married this year and I have a two-year-old puppy. That's hanging out with you right now, right? Yes, she is. What kind is she? She is a mix. That's actually a funny story because the pet store told us she was a black lab basset hound springer and then we dna tested her and it came back corgi rat terrier dalmatian oh my gosh (laughs) we really don't know what she is oh my gosh that's i feel like those are kind of opposite types of dogs yeah it's funny because we can see all six of them really oh my gosh that's so interesting i love that (laughs) i love that a lot so that's great so for those of us who haven't necessarily heard of Montessori, can you kind of explain what it is, um, where it started, and like how you got involved with it? Absolutely. So the Montessori method is actually over 100 years old. Oh. Um, started in Italy with Maria Montessori, and she actually went to school to be a doctor, and she was the first female doctor in Italy. And through her work, she ended up Um, opening a children's house in a very poverty-stricken area in Rome and so she and it's actually called San Lorenzo and she opened this school and these children were running wild because their parents were at work and there was nobody to watch them and she used her scientific skills of observation to see what the children needed and created this whole method Um, And so it's actually quite fascinating because the research of today that she didn't have backs up her method. Oh, wow. That's impressive. She was way ahead of the times, it sounds like. She was. And so she um, started this method and she, 
been spread all over the world. There's Montessori schools all over the world. It starts before birth. It goes through high school. Um, it's not just a way of learning, though. It's kind of a way of life. And so just at home, you know, having your kids be more independent versus us constantly stepping in and doing everything for them, um, validating their feelings because being a toddler is hard. Um, oh, yeah. and so it's really just about, you know, creating an independent way for children to do things on their own, to do things at their own pace. And so I just find it very beneficial to children because it looks at each child as an individual and not as a whole class. Yeah, that's a fantastic perspective of really just looking at like what individual needs you have. Because I do think that each person has a different style of learning and living and everything. So that makes so much sense. I'm really curious. Can I ask you a few questions about this? Absolutely. Okay. So I did not realize it's like literally from infant on you can utilize these. Okay. That is fascinating. That is really fascinating. And so are there a lot of Montessori schools then? Like Um, around our area, especially? In Grand Forks, no. There's a few in Fargo. Okay. And there's a bunch in the cities. Sure. There's um, a couple out in Bismarck, I believe. Um, But they're all over the country. They're a lot more popular in Europe, um, where it originated. Sure. But yeah, they are around. Wow, that's so neat. So I'm wondering, like, what are, and maybe we can get into this a little bit, but like, how do you, because now I'm thinking to myself, I have, (laughs) I got to be real. I'm like, okay, I have an almost four-year-old and I'm currently pregnant, which means that I'll have an infant. And how on earth do I incorporate the the skills and some of the task of it? So can you explain like that portion of it, like the meat and bones of like how, how it really works or like what are maybe even some some um, interventions. Of course, obviously, you're not going to be able to give us every single thing that you've learned, you know, through your schooling and everything, but just like a a wide idea of what that may look like. Yes, absolutely. So if you would walk into a Montessori infant's bedroom, it actually looks quite different because there's not a crib. So they a floor bed which is essentially just a mattress on the floor you can buy floor bed frames but they're not necessary Um, and so that gives the child the independence once they can move around to get in and out of bed by themselves versus a crib where we have to put them into the crib and take them out of the crib until they learn how to climb out of it themselves Um, so that's one thing There's a series of mobiles for infants that help them to develop their eyesight. So since when they come out of the womb, they're not seeing, you know, like we do. And so there's a series of mobiles that you can hang up in your home and they um, help develop eyesight, but they also help develop concentration, which is a big aspect of the Montessori method. Oh my gosh. Okay. I, we got to go through this. I am kind of mind blown right now. I, I got to ask the question that I'm, I'm guessing the majority of parents are thinking when they hear about the floor crib mattress and everything. I'm guessing that they're going to think, at least I did of, oh wow. But how many times do you have to put your child back to bed in order for them to stay in bed? <laughs> so is that a portion of it? That is a frequently asked question. So what I say is that everything in the bedroom at their level is safe for them. Okay. 
So you can put a baby gate on the door. And so if you go and put them to bed, if they crawl out of bed, it's okay because everything in there they can get a hold of and it's safe for them. Um, and so that just gives them, maybe they're not ready for bed yet. So then they might, I've seen where they go up and they're reading a book, which is that the end of the world that they're just sitting in there looking at a book? Probably not. Um, but then you also do teach them, you know, it's bedtime, let's go back to bed, but then they can get into bed themselves. Um, I also, um, I do a home setup. So I usually say it, don't keep toys or as Montessori calls it work in the bedroom if you don't have to. I keep that as like a sleeping area or a book reading area. And so all the toys or work is outside of the bedroom. Calling all social workers, marriage and family therapists, psychologists, and counselors. Are you looking for a supervisor so you can reach your next licensure level? How about looking for a clinical consultant to work through cases, help you guide your business, or help you work through some of the tough stuff in private practice? So often we find ourselves searching for clinical supervision and coming to a dead end. Or finding ourselves with someone who can provide supervision hours, but isn't a great match for our niche and our style. Well, look no further. You can now go to consultationandsupervision.com and scroll through a directory of therapists providing both of these services. Here you will find a picture, a short bio, and contact information. So you can find not just anyone, but the right one. It's totally free and will save you from spending time and money on a supervisor or consultation that just isn't the right match. So head over to consultationandsupervision.com and start searching today. Okay, so it's differentiated like that that as well. So that I could see how that would help um, yeah. the child to know like when they lay down, they can read or do this or that. So, and you know, that is a very valid point because in my mind um, as, a, as a mom, I'm like, oh, but what if they did this or what if they did that? But if ever, you're right though, if there's not anything in there that's dangerous to them, I mean, they can roam around the room, but <laughs> what, what more would they really do? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then if there's not much in there, then they're, kind of like well okay I'll just go to bed right valid point valid point now I'm thinking hmm those toys that we have in my son's room if we took those out would that help no he does pretty good actually but (laughs) it does make you kind of wonder and I had no idea about the mobiles that's the reason for them is to help with like eyesight and concentration and things like that yes so the first one is a series of black and white prints so the high contrast between the black and the white is easy for them to focus in on And then it kind of moves forward. There's an octahedron one where it's got the three primary colors. And so you're differentiating between shapes and color at that point. And so each mobile focuses on something different that they um, focus in on. Okay. And because I feel like someone's going to want to know this, how would you go about buying them? They have them available on Etsy. I've made them for people myself. There are tutorials online of how to make them if you want to make them yourself. Okay. Um, Yeah. So that is an option to, okay. That feels like it's probably pretty cost effective. I don't know what all it entails, but. Yeah, it is um, cheaper to make it yourself. That's for sure. And the tutorials that I've seen online, they're very user-friendly and walk you through the steps. Okay. I feel like that's something, I mean, not that you have to do this, but I'm always a thinker and I'm like, Ooh, that'd be really a fun thing for you to sell. Like, yeah, I have made them for people in the past. They have asked me and I've 
yeah. made them. The hard thing though is shipping them because they're hanging items. And oh, so you don't want them to get tangled. tangled. So I have yet to figure that part out. Well, let's brainstorm that. I mean, I can help you brainstorm that. We'll, we'll find a solution for that. Full faith in that. That's awesome. So how would that look then? Like, let's say like toddler age, how does that change? So toddler age, they can still be in the floor bed because they can get in and out. Um, I wouldn't introduce like a normal size bed until they're big enough to get in and out successfully on their own. Otherwise you can have a little step stool if you're wanting to make that transition where they can step up and get in themselves. Okay. Um, also when you reach toddler age, there's different activities you can incorporate in your home. Also kids get so many toys for birthdays, holidays, things like that. And the biggest thing I tell parents is don't have all the toys out. Uh-huh. Um, only have a few watch your child and see what they're using the most and keep those out so I recently did a home setup and they had one of those cube shelves and they had six sections so the little girl has six work items available to her and that's all she has out right now and then once she starts getting bored with the toys then mom just goes in and will switch them out after she's gone to bed. Oh. And the same thing actually works for books because as you can see, I've got a ton of books and a lot of kids do too. So don't have all the books out, rotate them out. And that helps them to successfully choose work and stick with it versus going from one thing to the next. Okay, this is interesting. So in the meantime, with the rest of the toys, do you just like put them in a tote? Like, how do you organize it? Yep, I put you just put them in a closet where the child won't get to them. Um, A lot of toys these days, you know, make those noises and light up. Um, I don't recommend those toys. At toddler's age, they want to be helpful. They want to do things around the house. They want meaningful work. So having things that they can do through practical life skills is what we call them. So child-sized brooms and mops. So they can go around and help clean up and clean up their own messes. Anything that you can get that's child size is helpful. They can help in the kitchen. They can take those tools like apple cutters and help cut apples. They can take vegetable choppers and chop up vegetables and chop up cheese for their own snack. They can, you know, help switch the laundry. They can help fold the laundry. Just getting them involved in ways that they can be successful and feel like they're helping around the house. Right, right. You know, um, what I love about that too is I feel like that sets up both the child for like independent life, adult life. I mean, we have to know these skills, right? (laughs) We have to be able to clean and do laundry and all of that. And so it, it sets that up. But also I do think that, you know, a lot of times as parents, we can become overwhelmed with the amount of work at home and truly it is a family. So being able to have like a joint effort and helping with that is absolutely fantastic. Yes, absolutely. You know, and I will say that on a personal note, like with my son, he loves to do things like that. This year we actually got him a functioning vacuum. It's like a little kid Mm -hmm. vacuum. He loves it. He has like a broom. He always wants to like dust and things like that. And I encourage that because I do think I'm like, in the future, I want you to still do this. So we're going to make this fun so that later on (laughs) you're still going to want to help. Hopefully who knows, but just showing them that it's joyful work. Like it's nice to have a clean area to live and to play 
and be in. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So if someone is overwhelmed with like how to first introduce, especially their toddler to work like that, what is like probably the easiest way, do you think? I would say just giving a basic lesson. So showing them how to fold a washcloth, the steps to folding it, fold it in half and then fold it in half and showing them and then letting them try. So if you show them first, of course, patience is definitely a virtue when you're working with a toddler, but showing them how to do it and then letting them do it and giving them that freedom to have the chance to do it versus us just instantly stepping in, no, you're doing it wrong, but letting them do it. Are they going to fold the washcloth perfectly? No. Are they going to cut the food perfectly? No, but they're doing it themselves and they're proud of that. Yeah. And I think that's the best part is when you see that pride, you know, mm-hmm. my son, his um, preschool that he goes to, they um, have swimming and different things there. And so they always have the kids, of course, you know, get dressed themselves. And, um, you know, after the pool, they get redressed and everything. But they always say, like, if they put their shirt on backwards, we're keeping it on backwards. And we're just going to praise them for putting it on and getting it on. And I love that perspective of it doesn't have to be perfect you know, and that they'll learn as they go. So sure, maybe my son will wear a backward shirt one day, but like, is that really the end of the world? You know, the fact that he's able to have some of that independence is pretty cool. And also a big thing too, is showing them, I always say, try not to say good job, because uh-huh. that that's even hard for me. But asking them, oh, you did you get dressed by yourself today? Does that make how does that make you feel that you got dressed by yourself? Because it doesn't matter that I say, good job, I think you did a good job, but really what matters is if they think they did a good job. Yep, yep, absolutely. You know, I think it's great too, um, as our kids get older, you can start to pick up on like what they do respond well to. And so one Mm -hmm. thing, I don't know, right or wrong, but it's how he operates. My son really loves to be told that we're proud of him. Like that is something that just like makes his heart so joyful. And we, you know, he will say, are you proud of me? And I'll say all the time, bub, you know, and um, he just really loves that. And so I think sometimes two kids let you know how they want that praise. Yes. And listening to how they want it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think that's the hard part is sometimes we show love the way that we want love and it's just not necessarily the way (laughs) that our kids operate. Absolutely. So how about like when kids get into like grade school, what, how does that look different? So it's actually quite different. So I'm trained in the elementary years, which is ages six through 12. And so if you walked into a Montessori classroom, it would look very different than if you walked into a normal, I guess, for lack of better words, classroom. So you walk into a normal classroom and everybody's doing math. Everybody, then everybody's doing science. Then everybody's doing reading. And they're sitting at their desks and they're moving every half an hour, every hour. Um, in a Montessori classroom, you might have one kid working on a geography work over there. You might have someone doing a big math lesson over there. I might be giving a lesson to a small group of children, or I might just be observing at that moment and everybody's working on their own thing. You'll still have some small groups, like if kids are working with a big work together or working on a research project together, but they're all doing what they feel they need to do in that moment. Um, There's no desks in the classroom. There's um, tables for them to work at. 
there's work rugs if they want to spread out on the floor. Um, there's also no textbooks, which is a big one. Um, all the materials are hands-on, concrete, manipulative that they can work with. I also, there's no grading, there's no tests. And so instead of grading and tests, that's where the observation comes in. And I'm observing the children, what they're doing and what they're telling me, not through their words, but through their actions and through their work. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that does, that does sound quite a bit different. Can I um, just ask a, it's not a random question. I swear it has something to do with this, but I'm just kind of curious. Like, how does this translate then, like, when somebody gets to high school and they're graduating and they are wanting to go, you know, on to college? At that point, all the requirements are typically met that you would need for college. You know what I mean? Like, how do you, how does that, how does that, because I love that perspective of, like, allowing children to work on, you know, what they feel like they need to in the moment. I'm just wondering, how does that translate over to what, like, society as a whole is telling us as a requirement for college? So I've never had gone past the adolescent years. Um, my training doesn't go up into the middle level, but I have had students leave my Montessori classroom and go into middle school here in Grand Forks, and they did fabulous. Awesome. A lot of times they are actually ahead of their peers just because of the way that we teach. It's so concrete that they can understand those really abstract concepts, and they just kind of mingle right on in wow which is amazing I honestly I can't say how they do it but they do it and it's fabulous that's really cool you know I wonder if it has to do with like having that firm foundation set up you know Mm -hmm. and just being able to even probably be a little bit more adaptable I would imagine because because you weren't forced to adapt in a certain way and you had the ability to really grasp what that would what that would look like and to really I mean, it sounds like, too, being able to have different ways of learning and different, um, even not feeling pressure, I would imagine, makes the world of a difference to a child. I mean, I remember being in grade school and feeling that. Yeah. And if you think about grade school, they're so young, you know, to have so much pressure about tests and homework and quizzes. At that age, kids are these days are involved in so many things outside of school. Um, I would never give, I never gave homework in, yeah. from my Montessori classroom. Instead, the kids um, would participate in their activities. And at home, they were supposed to just read when they had time and to help around the house. Nice. So I didn't do reading logs because the kids had that love of reading. And yeah. so they would always be reading. I could take my kids to the public library here for three hours in the morning. And even my first grader would sit there and read and find books for three straight hours. I wouldn't have to do anything. I would just be sitting there and observing them, where they were going, what books they were choosing, how long they were with that book and things like that. So really just fostering that love of learning and that love of reading. And yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, that is so fantastic. I, I mean, I was just thinking back to like grade school for me and now, I, I, I have a different way of learning than a lot of people, too. And so I very much do learn by um, definitely by like I listen to audiobooks. So I'm definitely like an auditory learner. But um, it's just interesting because I do wonder, had 
things been different and had the approach been different, would that have changed? It's just kind of interesting. I wonder, is there anybody who's been to like both schools that you've worked with? Like who's been to like a public school setting and a Montessori? Or do most people start at a very young age? I had a student that he started in public and then transitioned into Montessori. I believe it was third grade, I want to say third or fourth. And he came in and he would say all the time, oh, I was so bored at my other school because I wasn't challenged enough. He was a very bright individual. And so he just wasn't being challenged enough. And then we started challenging him and he started just eating it up and loving the challenge and seeing how he could figure things out. It was pretty amazing. Yeah, that's really great. And it's great that you have that flexibility to do that, truly. Because I do think there is a, a part to that of, you know, a lot of times, even when I'm working, I'm a mental health therapist. And so a lot of times when I'm working with kids and they're struggling in school, there is kind of a matter of like, is it that you're not truly understanding it? Or is it that you're bored and you're just like this, this is not something I want to do. I know how to do this. I don't want to go through this, you know? Um, and so I think there is that part of trying to figure out like what exactly, what exactly is going on. So that the fact that you're able to to do that and without removing kids from classes. Cause a lot of times, you know, in public school, they may have advanced classes, but then the kids are removed and only with a small select group as well. And so being able to like integrate all of that together is pretty cool. And what I love too, is it's a mixed age classroom in Montessori. So there's three years, three year age groupings. Oh, okay. And so once the kids master one of the works and that skill, they can go on and teach the younger kids how to do it, which really enforces how well they know it. Yeah. If they're able to teach it to somebody else. That's really cool. I bet they feel some pride in that too, of being able to like help some of the younger students and. Yep. To be that leader and the one that kind of knows how it works. Yeah. They love that. So if they, let's say somebody was able to get past the three-year mark, like but it wasn't time. Is, is it like a typical school, like each year you move up a grade? Is that how it works or? Um, you're considered like, it's not first grade, second grade, okay. third grade, you're a first year, you're a second year, you're a third okay, year. Cause that's how many times you've been in that classroom. Um, but what's nice is that if you're a second year, but you're doing maybe upper elementary work, like a fourth year in the upper elementary classroom, we can bring you that work and you can yeah. do it. It's not like you have to do this right now. We're all learning about decimals, so you have to learn about decimals too, even though you already know it. It's you you know about decimals. Okay, let's move to the next thing. Okay, perfect. Because that was my next question of like, if they get past that information, then are they just kind of, but no, it seems like you guys will just let them go. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I had a fourth grade boy who was converting improper fractions to mixed numbers in his head but he wasn't doing just like seven fifths. He was doing like 749 fifths in his head. Oh. And I was on my computer like, yes, that is the right answer. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know. Yes. Uh, so, and he did that for 90 minutes. Wow. He kept saying, come on, Miss Alexa, give me a harder one. Come on, Miss Alexa, give me a harder one. And I'm like, they're so hard. I don't know how you're still doing it. Right. And, 90 minutes now in a normal school you'd have already moved on yeah by that point you know I wonder too like allowing them that time if that builds more confidence as well so in that moment that probably felt really great for him to be able to do that and so to be able to continue to build that confidence so even if you 
were struggling a little bit more in some other areas, being able to build the confidence in that one area, I would imagine could probably help all of them. Yes. And I've seen that a lot now um, because I'm at a traditional school. We do one concept each day, the next day we move on. And then the next day we move on. We're in the Montessori classroom. They're working with that material and that concept for about a week, usually. Yeah. It fluctuates if they're really into it. They work on it for longer periods of time. And so they really grasp it. Wow. Okay. So it's not like this, like, learn and rush. And is there the pressure for, like, te- um, like uh, testing and everything, too, there, or no? It depends. Some Montessori schools, they have to do testing just based on the state. Um, I didn't have to do testing, which was nice. We did do little assessment things just to see where the students started and where they finished the year, but it wasn't standardized testing. Oh, okay. That's what it's called. I could not think of for the world. I was like, what is that called? My teacher friends and sister are probably going to be like, come on, Kelly, get it together. (laughs) But yeah, standardized testing. Yeah. Because that seems to be kind of a pain sometimes. So it is. And a standardized test doesn't tell you about your students right it doesn't show their work ethic it doesn't show you know how well they know a concept necessarily because they might do it different than the standardized test does yeah absolutely you know I even like as we're talking I I just had like a a, like kind of flashback to being in in grade school and um, I don't know why I remember this but one of my friends she went by her middle name and there was all every time we took a standardized testing it was like do I use my middle name do I use my first name which name do I use and so it was always a thing so it reminded me of that but then I also thought that's weird that I remember that like that must have been stressful for me that I would even have a random memory of my friend asking like which name she would use the fact that I would remember that that was standardized testing is just really interesting you know I'm how old am I now 33 years old so that was some time ago but yet that's still in my mind about that standard testing so it's just really interesting yeah. apparently it's pretty stressful even as a student <laughs> apparently <laughs> did you find that like do you find that the students ever will say that when you have had to do any testing or any um, teachers have said anything like that um when we did testing this year the kids get really antsy the tests are long and they're always asking well how many questions is it because they just want to get through it they just want to do it and get done which at the same time if they're just clicking through the questions is it really measuring their abilities and so they are very tedious in my opinion when I would have the assessments with my kids they could pause at any moment stretch take a break finish it later and then come back refreshed yeah yeah there's probably I would imagine a lot more guidelines surrounding the standardized testing rather than yeah. Yep. Oh, goodness. Well, can you talk a little bit about like why someone would choose the Montessori lifestyle and school um, and like how maybe just I know we already talked a little bit about how to incorporate it. But if you had to. Well, let's start there. I won't. I'm not going to throw too many questions at you. Let's start there first. Why would someone really choose to to do that? I think someone would choose the Montessori method because they want their child to be independent to have that joy of learning, to have that fun exploration personality where they go out and want to learn more. Um, A lot of times today in my classroom, it's like, okay, it's math time. And you hear the, uh, you know, where in Montessori, even just yesterday, I was doing an enrichment um, 
service and I said okay you're going to move on to the next material you're ready and it was just pure excitement pure joy um, one of the students was doing a noun sort um, between masculine feminine and offspring nouns and I overheard her say this is so much fun Aww. now I can't I can't say that very often outside of Montessori I've heard a kid say that their noun work is fun right right <laughs> so just, you know, loving the learning and loving how you're learning. You're not just sitting in your desk and staring at the teacher teaching. You're on the floor, you're doing it, you're moving things around, you're building, you're exploring, you're asking the question, well, why does it work this way? And you're going to try and find the answers versus me just telling you. Mm -hmm. For example, um, when the kids are learning math, when we move into multiplication, I don't tell them the rules. I don't tell them anything times one is itself. And one day a little girl came up to me and said, Miss Alexa, did you know that if you take any number times one, it's the same number? And I never told her that. And I was like, no way, is that true? And she says, yes. And she, I'm like, what else are you gonna learn? And she said, I don't know, I'm gonna go see. And she just went Aww. back off and went to keep learning. Yeah. It sounds like she had a lot of joy about about figuring that out and sharing that with you. And Well, and how much more fun is it for them to figure it out versus me like, okay, guys, everything times one is itself. Okay, let's move on. Yeah. You know, they figured it out. They learned it themselves. They went and, you know, got that answer Absolutely. on their own. You know, I often will talk with clients about that in my therapy work as well. Like, yeah, I, I mean, I could tell you, like, this is what I think that you should do. But one, I might not even know that that is the right thing for you. And two, you have to come to something because you want to, not because you think that I want you to do that. And when you figure it out yourself, it means, I really do believe it means more. It means mm -hmm. more and you hold that closer to your heart. And um, and also, I do think it's that same thing. Like, you, you hold more pride for the ability to make those decisions in your life. Absolutely. Yeah, that's really great. So here's the other thing I was going to bombard you with. And I was like, nope, one thing at a time, Kelly, one thing at a time. <laughs> if, if somebody wanted to, like whatever age, you know, if someone has kids or maybe even just in their own life, they're wanting to implement this. Could we give them just one really simple, easy thing that they could do once a day that would help? Yes, I would say find a moment during the day that you can let your child take their time and do what they need to do instead of stepping in. Maybe that's getting dressed. Maybe that's picking out their clothes for the day. Maybe that's brushing their own hair, putting their own shoes on. Something like that, just let them have that joy and start small, finding just a couple times during the day when they can do something themselves or encouraging them, would you like to come help mom or would you like to come help dad with this today? And they'll love it. Yeah. And what I like about that is it seems like, I mean, it's things you're already doing, right? So it's not like we're adding more. So it's just allowing them that space. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was fantastic. So what if someone wanted to jump in like, they're like, you know what? I am all hands on deck. Like, this sounds amazing. I want to learn more. Where would, like, what are some good resources for them? Um, so some good books for the younger ages are How to Raise an Amazing Child, The Montessori Way by Tim Selden. It's a very easy read. It gives you lots of good pictures and ideas for everything from birth to age four. Um, it goes through all those ages, different activities you can do and things like that. Another one that I'm actually reading right now because I'm hosting a book club for it is The Montessori Toddler by Simone Davies. Mm 
and it's phenomenal. A lot of people um, associate the toddler years with the terrible twos, and this book gives activities, how to set up activities, what activities are good for the different ages, um, how to set up your home, different things that you can incorporate your children to help you with. Those two are my go-tos for the younger years, for sure. Awesome. Thank you. I appreciate you sharing those resources. That's pretty fantastic. So, you know, as we're kind of wrapping up here, I'm wondering um, if we can, or if I can ask you a question that I ask everyone who's on the podcast. Sure. Okay. So who would you say, and it can be about this topic or any topic, but who would you say are some of like your biggest encouragers throughout your life? Um, Definitely my mom, definitely my grandma, and that's been through my whole life. And now my fiance is always like, whatever you need to do, go out and do it. And I will support you. So definitely those three people are my biggest fans, I'd say. Yeah, that's fantastic to have their support. So that's really great. Can I ask when you guys are getting married? Do you have a date yet? Yes, October 3rd this year. Oh my gosh, I feel like that's going to be so soon. How fun. I know, it's coming up. Yeah. (laughs) Are you feeling pretty good about the planning and things like that? Yes, I am. I think things are going well. Um, We've got a lot of all the big things, you know, really like all the vendors done. That's awesome. That's the hardest part, I feel like. So yeah, good. Well, congratulations. That's super exciting. Thank you. You're welcome. So I'm wondering if you can share like your social media where people might be able to find you if they would like to follow your journey um, and be able to continue to learn more from you. Absolutely. Um, On Instagram, I'm the Midwest Montessorian. Uh, Same on Facebook. I have a website, themidwestmontessorian.com. So I offer, you know, home setup, enrichment or tutoring services, online consultations if you don't live around me. Um, Yeah. You know, I'm wondering, um, can you explain a little bit about what each of those services are in case there's somebody that is thinking like, hey, that sounds kind of interesting. So can you run us through those real quick? Absolutely. So the enrichment services are um, designed to help children that go to traditional or public school but they're not being challenged enough. And so I come in after school and we, I bring in Montessori materials and we learn Montessori concepts. So for example, right now I have a first grader who's multiplying a four digit number times a three digit number. Uh, Uh, So that's impressive. Yeah. In school he's adding, so he's not being challenged enough there. Yeah. Um, so that's the enrichment. And then tutoring too is if school is just kind of hard, we just bring in some materials to help with your homework um, and things like that. Um, the home setup is designed for people who want to have their home set up in a Montessori fashion. So I come in and I say, I guess one of my friends said I'm very black and white about it. So if you don't use that, put it away. They don't use that, get rid of it, donate it. Um, and just setting it up so that it's going to be successful for your little one. And then the consult is um, for people who just want to learn more about Montessori, who want to do home setup, but they're not near me. Um, I can travel some, but I mean, probably not to like Virginia, you right. know, that's a ways. But I mean, um, so that- unless people are paying like full expense, like vacation time, sure. would you do it then? 
Yes, I would. Yeah. Okay, yes, so if there's, <laughs> if there's someone listening that wants to offer that, I mean, might as well throw I'm, it out there. Yes. And so, yeah, just if you are wanting to learn more or want to set up your own home, we just kind of do a video chat and I'll give you options that you can do. Yeah, that's fantastic. You know, one thing too that you said, it, it just really made me think about how like when we set a, a standard, like this is where we should be at right now. Like we, most of the time we'll like hit the standard and maybe fall a little bit below that. But it sounds really to me like Montessori is like continuing to move up that bar, like moving it up and up and up and allowing kids to grow as much as they need to. Yep. The standard is different for each kid. You know, what works for one's not necessarily going to work for another. So just letting them know you know, you're at where you need to be right now. And that's good. You're doing what you need to be. It doesn't matter what they're doing. You focus on you. And that's where you need to be. Yeah, I love that. I would imagine that that perspective helps in other ways as well throughout life of just like, it's just about what you need. And it's not about worrying about what someone else is doing or what they might want. And I would bet that helps in social situations as well. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, that's fantastic. Do you have any other thoughts that you would like to leave our listeners with before we end for today or anything we didn't talk about? I don't think so. I mean, I could go on for hours about Montessori. (laughs) Well, this has, you know, like I said, before we started recording, like I didn't really know a lot. So this has been really helpful. And honestly, I'm like, okay, I'm going to pop onto Etsy and I'm going to look for one of those mobiles. And if I can't find one, then I'm going to contact Alexa and be like, is there a way? I mean... (laughs) Is there a way? We're, we can figure it out. Full faith. We'll be able to figure yes, it out. Yes, definitely. You can be the uh, person we tested on. Yeah, I'll be the guinea, guinea pig. That would be fantastic. Yeah. So there's got to be a way for sure. But thank you so much, Truly, for taking some time out today and for sharing with us. And I know personally that I'm really excited to continue to learn from you and to follow you on social media and um, support you as well. So Wonderful. Thank you. Yes, absolutely. Thank you for listening to Kelly and the Encouragers podcast. For all things related to this episode, please go to www.kellysisson.com backslash podcast, where you can find transcript from today's show and links for today's guest. See you next week for another episode.